podcast. Thank you for, um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with me here on the podcast, man. Thank you for spending your time here. I really appreciate it. I am coming to you once again from the underground, which is really just a space, kind of like a sacred space um, in my basement, right? In the corner of the basement. But it's really cool, man. There's uh, like right now there are candles burning. There's, there's old memorabilia, um, you know, on the wall, there's a lot of old rock albums on the wall along with some spiritual items. And it's just a really cool space to do the podcast in. And so I think I have a few, I think I have a few pictures of it on the black sheep experience, Instagram account. If you want to go check it out, if you don't follow, uh, the black sheep experience on, on Instagram, man, go and do that. Um, I have an account on Facebook and Twitter as well, but to be honest, um, those platforms to me, they seem to be so toxic lately that, uh, I, I really just don't want to be a part of that, but I'm pretty active on Instagram. And so you can see, uh, announcements about the podcast there, you know, memes and pics of the, of the, of the sacred space, along with some of my altars and, um, it's all there on that account. And so I am kind of fortunate at this time in my life to have the space to spread out the way that I have. Um, but I would like to say, you know, if you don't have that kind of room at the moment, I really would encourage you to find a space that you can create for yourself Um to, to make like an altar, you know, it can be on a small table in the corner of, of a room or even on a shelf right on the wall. Uh, those make excellent altars. And, and so you don't really need a whole section of, uh, or the corner of a basement, right. Or even your own room. Um, it's very cool if you can do that, but if you don't have that or you share your living space with other people, um, create an altar and tell your significant other or, uh, your roommates, Hey, please don't mess with this table or this shelf. Um, and probably if you live with those people, they'll respect that. Uh, and if not, uh, you need to find new roommates, right? A new significant other. Uh, but you can create an altar. You can create a space and there are guidelines for creating an altar, um, if you're following a witchy format, the way, the way that I do, but you know, I really think the best rule is your intention. And so to me, the altar is a space where you can create your intentions with visual representations that, um, that kind of becomes a space or the place where you share with the universe, with God, with your own self, with your subconscious mind, um, your ambitions or the things that matter to you most. So, I have three altars in my space. Um, one's for my goals, one's for my ambitions, and then one is for each of the Sabbaths on the wheel of the year, which we're going to talk about today. But um, I just, I, I think that an altar is something that's really um, emotionally and, and spiritually important. So I would encourage you to do that. And again, it can, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be, uh, whatever, you know, that you want it to be or whatever that you really have space and room for. So for instance, I have an, I have a, uh, an altar that has a Bible on it. It has a cross on it. It has a Jewish prayer, uh, Shaw, and then it has, um, a bell and a singing bowl and tarot cards. And it's really an altar for my, my spirituality where, where I'm at spiritually. And so that is one of them. Um, and then I have another for my ambitions, right? And uh, it has a hodgepodge of things on there. Um, a, an author that I really admire because I've been writing a book. Um, some musical items and, and uh, there's just all kinds of stuff on there. Some fitness things, uh, ironically enough, because I have ambitions for that. And so the altar becomes a, a space of representation of what it is that I hope to achieve or what it is that I'm dreaming of or or prayers that I want answered, whatever the case may be. And so that altar becomes a sacred place for me to project the things that I really desire or, or want to see 
um, manifested within my life instead of them just rolling around inside my head, which is a great place to have them. But I think that an altar creates an essence of sacredness to it. So I would encourage you to do that. Once again, um, some of my altars are, are like legit big, decent sized altars. And then a couple of them are really literally just a shelf on the wall and it's fine. It's perfect for that. And I would encourage you to venture out, man, see if that's something that doesn't hold meaning for you. Um, what's interesting too, is all of the altars have candles on them and, um, they are battery operated, right? Do I prefer real flame? I do. Um, however, the way some of the altars are laid out, a real frame, a, a real flame could kind of be a problem. And believe it or not, Google how many fires are caused by candles each year. It's staggering. So for most of my ritual and spell work, I, uh, I do a lot of that outside, and I do use real candles, but I never, ever leave those unattended. Um, but also for a lot of the things that I do, the, the battery ones are perfect. They're, they're excellent for that. And, um, you know, you can get all as mystical as you want to, I guess, about it. But the energy is the energy in my own mind. It, it's more to create an ambiance and an, an aesthetic. Um, and someday we'll get into that. But suffice it to say... Battery operated ones are just fine and much, much safer. Uh, but we'll do an entire podcast on altars one of these days. Uh, that would probably be helpful. But today is not that day. Uh, but I encourage you to venture out and, and uh, have fun with it, man. Uh, color your life um, with a really good altar. So what I'd really like to talk to you about in this pod, and, and I think it will be more than one part, especially today. Um, today's we'll, we'll focus on one specific celebration and then we'll do the, the rest maybe in a, in an additional one or two podcasts. But what I'd really like to talk to you about today is the wheel of the year. And so we're approaching fall autumn, um, is just in a day or so, really, the the equinox, the fall equinox or the autumn equinox. It falls, I believe, on September 22nd. And I think if my, I think my app said earlier, like at 831 on that day. So what I'd like to talk to you about is, is the, um, the wheel of the year. And if you don't know what that is, I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a bit. And then in specific Maybon, the fall celebration of the, on the wheel of the year. So the wheel of the year, um, is a, um, it is a, a cycle of Sabbaths or of celebrations that occur throughout an entire year. And it uses nature as its, um, way of recognizing the turning of that wheel. So nature is a real cool representation of you and I, it yearly shows us the cycle of life, the sowing, the reaping process, and how we also evolve. And we see the process really right in front of us. Uh, in spring, life comes forward and outward. And in fall, the trees are showing signs of turning inward as they drop their leaves and begin to turn inward to work deep within. Um, and in winter, you know why everything appears to be so barren and inactive. Actually, things are, are happening deep beneath the surface, right? The, the branches sink deeper into the ground. The integrity of the tree or the plant is growing stronger internally. Uh, so when it's, when it is, it's time to blossom, it's able to do so. And so I think that we can learn a lot from the wheel of the year from nature uh, because our lives are very cyclical. And, and so I want to talk about this a little bit this process um, of using these cycles, of observing them, and we call that the wheel of the year. And honestly, I don't think that we do enough introspection personally uh, within the Christ tradition. Um, we're instructed to, Philippians 2 and 12 tells us to work out our own salvation, right, with awe and and uh, and reverence. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 13 uh, chapter 13 tells us to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith. So I think this is a great tool, this thing 
called the Wheel of the Year. Now, if you're not familiar with the Wheel of the Year at all, uh, I'm going to familiarize you with that in this podcast. What I would encourage you to do real quick is just Google, uh, you know, do an image search of the Wheel of the Year, right? And uh, that will give you the image and it will have the listing of the eight Sabbaths or celebrations on that image. And so that will give you a good idea of, um, of what I'm talking about. Uh, now, so I can explain this just a little bit. Um, something that those of you within the Christian tradition will note quickly, there are eight Sabbaths on the wheel of the year, eight observances, and almost all of them are closely linked both in date, meaning, and intention to the feasts on the Christian calendar or, or Christian celebrations. And in some cases, um, they're really exactly the same with just a few variances um, to make them quote unquote Christian, right? And the reason this is so and, and why that makes a lot of sense is because within Christianity are many, 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 many pagan practices that were altered from their original state into a Christian theme. However, the meaning of the celebration, the observance, the intention, many of the trappings, many of the the decorations used for that celebration stayed exactly as they were in the original pagan holiday. Now, I know that to some this is distressing, the blending of Christianity and paganism, um, but Honestly, and I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the reason it's distressing is because you have not yet realized that this has always been so. Um, it, this has always been happening, the blending of these two paths, and it's fine, um, right? It, it's totally fine. There's There are some admonishments not to do as the pagans do. But pagan is a broad term within the Judeo-Christian concept, okay? So many times when this correction or command from Jehovah God is delivered is when the Hebrews were mingled uh, somewhat through enslavement and sometimes voluntarily with societies that practiced or had behaviors contrary to God, to love, to human concern. Um probably like a great example of that would be Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy 12. Um, actually, let's see here. I think I can find that real quick. Okay, so Deuteronomy 12. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy 12 and 29. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe through 32 or 33. So when when the Lord your God, this is what it says, when the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to uh, disposes and you displace them and dwell in their land. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they have done to their gods for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. So be careful. Uh, So let's see. So whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. All right. So one of the things that I would like to address up front is Christian illiteracy. We read, but we don't understand. You can't quote a chapter and verse and create broad-brushed commands and theologies. This is horrible. It's wrong. Uh, It's kind of silly. It's not intelligent. It's not conservative. It's It's just lazy. So when we look at Deuteronomy and we start quoting admonishments, what exactly is the inference? right? The context. So whenever we say things like, well, the Bible says, don't do as the pagans do. Don't follow after them. That's not what it says. He is talking specifically. Well, 
All right, the context of any conversation is what creates the content of the conversation, right? So the context of any conversation is what creates the content of the conversation. Yes, I just repeated myself because I think it's an important point. This is where content derives its meaning. So when God warns them uh, in particular not to emulate um the nation that they are getting ready to take over, right? All the way back in Leviticus, God does this, right? So we're in Deuteronomy, but back in Leviticus, uh, chapter 18, I think, um, all the way back then, um, God warns them, don't do what the Egyptians did in their worship to God. And don't do what the Canaanites do in their worship to God, because that's the land he was going to give them. So Deuteronomy is dealing with a very difficult set of circumstances of people called the Canaanites and their practices. So God says, don't do what these people did. But the, um, the context is the Canaanites. Now, a lot of times pastors will insert anybody that they don't like. Don't do what the, the pagans do. Don't do what the heathens do. Don't. Deuteronomy says, no, Deuteronomy is dealing with a specific, very specific group of people. The Canaanite worship was incredibly destructive. Its religious acts are full of, of sex, uh, uninvited, pedophilia, just some really sick, um, damaging moral behavior. They sacrificed their children to the God's by burning them alive. Ugh. They were terrible. They were violent, um, horribly vile. So when God says don't do as the pagans do, what does that mean? Which pagans are we talking about? Which practices? Uh, what is he, who is he referring to in this case? It's the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were pretty terrible. But in other instances, such as the Psalms, uh, several of the Psalms have pagan imagery within them. Even uh, the book of Job, like Leviathan, um, I think that's, that's Job 40, 40, 41, maybe 42, somewhere in there. Uh, God claims to have power over Leviathan, the great sea monster. Well, Leviathan is a pagan uh, myth. He, he's found in the Canaanite writings. He's also found in the Hittite writings. And so, again, Scripture blends um, obviously this, this belief in this folklore must have been alive within the Hebrews as well, because it's used in the book of Job. So I, I the, the reason I bring all that up is because I think that oftentimes we are afraid to blend practices that really could be beneficial to us, uh, because we think that God's got an issue with it. Uh, Hugh Bowden, in his book, Christianity, A Complete Guide, states, Modern Christianity is in many ways as much the heir of European paganism as it is first century Judaism. There's a great book on this subject called, and I had them on the podcast, by the way, uh, it's called Christo, uh, uh, Christopaganism. The authors are Joyce and River Higginbotham. Uh, I had them on the podcast it's a great episode. The book is absolutely brilliant. Um, I really can't encourage that book enough, Christopaganism. But anyway, in the conversation, when I was talking with Joyce and River, I said, uh, there are people who feel like these two paths really shouldn't be blended. They're really uncomfortable with it and, uh, and don't think that they should be blended at all. What, what are your thoughts on that? And Joyce answered, well, they're too late they've been blended almost since the very beginning. So you might want to check that out. And the reason that I mention these resources is because I know that for so many of us, there's a real fear factor. It's pretty intense. Um, and, and these blanket statements from scripture get pulled from the story, from the conversation out of context, and then they just get applied you know, just any place that the pastor or whomever feels um, they can use this statement to discourage behavior that for whatever reason they don't like. Uh, and this is a real problem because um, context is critical. It really matters. That aside, I also think that a lot of us, myself included, 
we really don't believe God loves us as much as he and, and even we say that he does. I think that a lot of us are really afraid that our missteps will land us in hell, that this loving God doesn't have the integrity or the, the power to correct us, to rescue us, to save us. And that's a problem as well. You cannot bring a lot of fear into the exploration of life. You can't bring a lot of fear into the exploration of self and of God and of spirituality. And if you're ever going to grow to be the person that I think God really wants you and I to be, fear cannot be a healthy part of that process. First John, one of my favorite passages, First John 4 and 18, if we are afraid, it's because we are afraid of punishment. And this shows us that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. Um, and so the scripture says right there, right? If we're afraid of being punished by God, it's because we have yet to experience and understand his love for us. Uh, but I digress, right? Because what I really want to talk to you about is the wheel of the year. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about concerning this. The mythos behind it for some traditions the Sabbaths and the celebrations within it, and the way that those dates, those celebrations relate to your life personally, how they coincide with what's happening on the earth, and how it is integrated into Christianity and into the Christian witchcraft practice. So the Wheel of the Year, uh, if you if you haven't found it yet on your phone or on Google or, or Bing or uh, whatever it is that you use, uh, go and find that. All right. So the wheel of the year is a symbol and it represents eight festivals, uh, within paganism, they call them Sabbaths and I'm completely fine with that. We can call them feasts. We can call them holidays. I don't really care, but, um, I'll also post an image of that on the black sheep experience Instagram account as well. Okay. So I do love the wheel of the year. In fact, it's one of the things that I love most about my, um, Christian witchcraft practice, right? I, I actually have a tapestry of it mounted in my space. Um, so once again, the wheel of the year is related to the natural earth cycles of the seasons, the solstices, the equinoxes, and so on. Each holiday known as a Sabbath follows a nature-based calendar that calls us to a point of examination. Now think of the value of that just for a moment. Imagine a system that calls us to celebrate and to examine and to create a plan for our life. And this introspection happens eight times a year. It's a really great way to stay connected with yourself, with your thoughts, your emotions, your goals, the ways that you failed and the ways that you've stayed on track. So these Sabbaths include four solar festivals and four seasonal festivals on the wheel. You have solstices, you have equinoxes, um, and those are astronomical events. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, um, Christ, uh, 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 Easter, right? The Christian holiday of Easter is um, actually like an astronomical event. It's different every year. I don't know if you know that, and I'm not sure if you know how it's determined, Um but it's interesting and it's illuminating trivia, really. So why is the date of Easter different every year? How is that determined? Well, Easter falls on the Sunday that follows the first full moon after the March equinox, right? So Easter, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, is determined by the cycles of the moon. That's that's awesome, right? That's badass. So I think that's so cool. And so... Um, the holidays or, or the Sabbaths have slightly different dates from year to year because so many of them, including the Christian holidays, not all of them, but many of them are astronomically timed. So the wheel of the year, um, the dates of the festival loosely are as followed. Um, Yule, right? December 19th through the 25th. Probably sounds familiar. In bulk, February 1st to 2nd. Ostara, um, March 19th through the 23rd, somewhere in that time. Easter, Ostara, Easter. Beltane is around the 1st of May. Litha is uh, June 
late June 19th through the 23rd. Lamas or, or Lamas is August 1st through 2nd. Maybon, which we're going to talk about today, is the 20th through the 24th. And Samhain, um, October 31st to November 1st, also known uh, as All Saints Day, right? So there's a mythos here. Personally, for me, it isn't really applicable. Um, the story is interesting. And we will deal with that in the next podcast. But what I really want to do in this podcast um, is talk about Maybon, right? Um, it's interesting to me because so many of the festivals on the wheel of the year have a Christian counterpart. So at some point in time, Christianity decided that these festivals were necessary, they were valuable, and they needed to be integrated. Um, because I, I, I think there was a time when Christianity wasn't as afraid of paganism as we are today. Now, admittedly, you know, I am not a pagan. Um but there are a lot of practices within paganism that I think blend very well with Christianity and the wheel of the year is one of those, you know, as a Christian, which I honor the wheel of the year and I use it for my own personal growth. So what I really want to start out with on this is Maybon because Maybon happens on the 22nd of September, which is just in a day or two. And Maybon celebrates the autumn equinox when days and nights are of equal length. So it is a time of balance. Uh, an equinox happens two times a year. You have the spring and the autumn. And there are two moments in the year when the sun is exactly above the equator. And day and night are of equal length. And that's an equinox. Right? So the autumn equinox is the balance point before our wheel, our cycle turns back to darkness, right? The, the days get shorter and the nights, of course, grow longer. And so Maybon is the equinox and the time of balance before the turn to the growing night. This moment of balance is practiced by pagans and by witches and by others as what I think is a really introspective moment. And, and so what I would like to do is present with you or, or present to you the opportunity to celebrate Maybon this year um, in a Christian witch way. All right. And um, let's dive into that a little bit. So Maybon is the equinox. It's the time of balance. Um, and this moment of balance is practiced as an introspective moment because Maybon represents the path we've taken, um, what we are harvesting from that path up to this point and where it is that the path is leading us. So to put it into perspective, think back to a time when you didn't just run to the supermarket for something, right? Back to a time when planting and sowing and harvesting um, this, this work, this trinity of investment, this was the very thing that was going to feed you and sustain you and keep you warm for the long, dark winter ahead. So it was a, uh, it was a very important time where they took serious inventory of where am I at? Um, my work, the, the planting, the sowing that I've done, the harvesting that I've done, is it enough to to sustain me and take me where I want to go. So you can see how the festival was very, very important. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of examination, introspection. Now, we don't have that today so much. We don't need to check our food storage to see if we're going to make it or not, right? To, have I chopped enough wood to get me through the winter? We don't have to do that. But we can update the practice for it to be a point of introspection for our lives spiritually, emotionally, physically, and the goals and the aspirations that we have. 
Um, and so here we are at the, at, at Maybon, which I think is just such a great, I, I love fall, right? The foliage, the warm days and the cool nights, um, uh, campfires, uh, which my wife and I are getting ready to do as soon as I finish this podcast. Uh, here we have all these rolling hills, all these wineries and orchards. And so at this time of year, there's all kinds of apple, whatever, right? Cider and donuts and pies because it's a time of, of that where they harvest the apples, right? And so I'm a huge lover of all that stuff. And and the corn, you know, here we are in the South, right? We, the corn is ready to be harvested. And, um, and then, of course, soon coming is Halloween. And, dude, I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. And I just love the mystical feel of the shadow side of it all. I just find it so interesting that there, there's a, there's a mysticism within the air. Right. And so, yeah, I love fall. I love autumn. Uh, I have a Husky who has, um, you know, trudged her way through summer and, um, she was outside all day today, man. Just, you know, that cool breeze and, uh, she loves it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to love about fall. Now, if you've listened to the podcast, man, I hate winter. Oh my God. I hate it so bad. That's the only thing about fall that I don't like is I know what's next. But, um, to me, the process of life is so much on display. Uh, the fields are ready for harvest. Uh, apples are ready for harvest. And so you can see how very important it was back long ago. It was a time of, of inventory a time to see how the hard work or at least the work that had been invested was now going to provide and in what ways were we wise in what ways were we unwise and how has that wisdom provided for us or that lack of wisdom caused us a deficiency right so maybon is a, a magical time of reflection it is a time to look back at where we have been and a time to look forward to uh, to where it is that we're headed. And so kind of let that be the theme um, that sits with you because that's going to be the inspiration. Uh, that's going to be the theme for our Maybon. It's a time of balance. Where have I been? Where am I at? And where are those actions taking me? Maybon is a real time of, uh, of, uh, I say Maybon because I, I, uh, that, that is my, uh, accent. It, it's really Maybon and I'll try to correct that through the duration of the podcast. But so, so Maybon is a magical time of reflection. It's a time to look back at where we've been. It's a time to look at where we are right now and where it is that we're headed. Um, it's a time of reckoning. Uh, what we've done, you know, and, and how that places us here in the now, all of those yesterdays and what they have created today. Um, and we know, you know, that whatever it is that we sow, that's what we're going to, to reap Galatians six and seven, right. Um, tells us that what whatsoever man plants, that will be his exact harvest. The King James says, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So uh, there's a biblical precedence for it. And so Maybon is the time to evaluate over the turning of this wheel for the past year. Time of examination. It's a time of introspection, a time to see if we like where we are now and where we are headed, how we have invested in the turn of the wheel uh, this year. And so Maybon really represents um, perhaps a final chance to redeem the turning of this, of this wheel. And how can we work harder or what changes do we need to make to either get us back on track or help us to achieve some of those New Year's resolutions? Um, the, the Tao Te Ching, which you've heard me talk about quite a lot if you're a listener of this podcast, uh, Lao Tzu is a perceived writer of that. And Lao Tzu even says, the wise are careful or, or let's see, the wise are as careful in the completion of things 
as they are in the beginning of the task. And because of this, they do not fail. And so what Lao Tzu is saying is a lot of us, we start with a lot of intensity. We start with a lot of, um, of, of ambition, energy, um, perhaps a plan in place. But some of us, we have, a tr- and, and I have for sure this issue, we have a lot of trouble finishing strong. And um, I've often stolen a line from Lao Tzu, which says the, uh, let's see, the first, oh, what, what is it? Um, something like the, the first step of a thousand miles, right? God dang, I can't remember that. That's too, <laughs> but anyway, um, the first step essentially is the most important step in a thousand step journey. And I've often said the last step is as important as the first, right? They, they all matter. The first step's important. The last step is important. Every step matters. And so Maybon is the examination, right? What will be once the wheel completes its turn? Um, what have I, what I have planted is what I'm going to gain. So for me, the way that I celebrate Maybon, um, and the way that you can do it too, if you would like, would be to be a time of, of serious introspection. And so what I'd like to do with the rest of our time together is, um, detail for you, a, um, ritual that you can, that you can do on Maybon that, that might be, um, valuable to you. You know, the, it might be touching. It might be something that you really enjoy. And again, once again, Maybon is that time of year when we are reflective. It's that time of year when we are contemplative. It's that time of year when we observe where we've been, what we've done, um, where we are today and, uh, where that is taking us and, and what changes could we make? Um, you know, sort of last ditch efforts, but, but they're still very important, right? What changes could we make today to change the course of where it is that we're headed? And Maybon is the time to do that. And so, um, once again, um, this is the way that I would celebrate it. And you're invited to do that too. And I would encourage you to do that. So here's the way I would celebrate it. I would start this by tuning into the earth, to the season. And there's a couple of good ways that I think you can do that. Go buy a pumpkin. I bought one the other day. Uh, Go collect fallen acorns. Or um, if none of that appeals to you, man, go get a pumpkin spice latte or or muffin or whatever. Whatever it is, coffee, uh, cake, whatever. Immerse yourself in fall, right? The trappings of it. This can be as commercial or non-commercial as you want it to be. You can go sit outside and and notice the change of the season. Notice the feeling in the air. Notice the energy that surrounds you. Maybe the leaves are changing where you're at. If you're in a warmer climate, once again, go get something pumpkin-y, right? I know Starbucks does pumpkin all over the freaking world. Go Go do that. Uh, but I would encourage you to go outside and really get in touch with the energy of fall. It was, um, it was actually a, a, a Buddhist author who I love thick, uh, not Han. He said in his book, going home, Jesus and Buddha's brothers, if you can get to a place where you feel the air, you know, really feel it, close your eyes and, and feel it whirling around you, feel it moving. And then deeply connect with the feeling of that. He said, if you can do that, then you can connect with the ground of its being. The very God who created it. And I think that that's, I think that that's an excellent and an important practice. Um, so I, I would really begin by connecting with the season in whatever way that, that works for you to do that. Again, it can be as simple as, as I would encourage you to sit outside no matter what, but it can be as simple as that. It can also be as immersing yourself in 
some of the commercial trappings of it, right? And this is an important practice. Then you can create your altar wherever you have some privacy. And here's what you're going to need for your altar. A notebook or three pieces of paper and a pen. Um, then use things connected to the season. Now, if you're not familiar with the altar, you can create an altar on a table. You can create it on a chair. You can create it on the ground. Um, I have created altars on the top of my grill outside even. So you can create an altar wherever you want to. And it is sacred uh, as long as your heart is into it, right? So um, use things connected to the season, autumn colors, could be anything, plastic decorations, um, maybe fruit signatory to autumn. I'm thinking apples, pumpkins, squash, corn, things like that, right? Um, and then something to burn things in, right? And um, I, I can't encourage you enough to make sure that that's something safe. That's really, really important. Um, have a notebook or three sheets of paper, something to connect you to the season. It can even be fallen leaves or anything related to the season. Um and then something to burn stuff in, something metal, a pan, uh, right? Or um, a pot, right, that you would use on the stove or cast iron skillet, something safe. Um, or burn pit even outside is awesome also. Three candles, right? Brown, orange, and yellow. Those can be birthday cake candles if you want. Needs to be something small, okay? Um if you don't have those, you can use white as well, but you're going to need three of them. And finally, for me, I have a glass of wine present, or even um, if you want like a pumpkin type beer, that, that would be something good as well. Also on my altar, I have a cross and a small Bible. So the ritual portion of this, Mabon is again a time of um, balance. So set your altar up in, in whatever way is pleasing to you with those items on it and then set in front of it and think about the past year. What have been some things that you've been really grateful for? You're going to take one piece of paper and you're going to write those things down. What are some things that have been really hurtful to you? Write those down. Don't worry because we're going to burn this later. So it's going to stay between you, the universe and God. Um, what are some areas that you failed on the job, with your diet, in your relationship, whatever? How did you fail? Write all that down. And that's going to be on one piece of paper. And that represents the past. On the second piece of paper, the present, um, where are you now? How do you feel about yourself? Do you, do you like the way that you look? Do you like the money you're making? Do you feel shame? Do you feel pride? What do you dislike about your life presently? Write all that down. What do you celebrate about yourself? What do you love about your life? What do you love about you? You got to find something. Even if you don't like yourself, you got to find something that you like about your life and that you like about you. And you're going to write that down. Are you happy? write that down. Are you sad? What makes you sad? Write that down. You're going to write all that down where you are in the now, in the present moment, as you sit there in front of your altar, looking at your leaves or your acorns or your pumpkin or your squash, these three burning candles, right? Um, and then the next piece of paper, what do you need to do? You, not the people in your life, you. What do you need to do to change your life in the direction you want it to go? Are there people that you need to forgive? Write that down. Are there people that you need to ask for them to forgive you? Write that down. Um, do you need to work harder? Do you need to exercise more? Do you need to lose weight? Do you need to eat better? Do you need to show up uh, for work on time, or are you working too much? Write all that down. And then 
what will you do to bring about change in your life? Uh, you, you have to have resolution. You have to have resolve. You have to have results. So you're going to write down solutions to the things that you need to change. So Maybon is about recognizing what has been. It's celebrating and it's sorrow. A recognition of um, and a releasing of where we've been so far, where we are right now. And uh, you will harvest what you've planted for better or for worse, right? We accept that on Maybon. I have made some mistakes. I have done some things right. And whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. It's coming. It is coming. And I accept that it's coming. And also what I can do to be better. So now you have the past on one piece of paper, the present on another, the future on another. Yeah. So, okay. So now you have the past on one piece of paper, the present on another and the future on another. So here's what you're going to do now. Um, You can ask God to be with you. Uh, to offer insight and make your space and time sacred. I do that. You can um, ask the heavenly hosts, right? The angels to, to, to join you to make your space sacred. I do that. But you've got these three pieces of paper. There you are in front of your altar. Now you're going to light these three candles representing and respecting these three factors of time. Now, if you have the colored candles, you're going to have brown on the left, orange in the middle, yellow on the right. If you have the three white, obviously it doesn't matter, right? But you're going to have them in a row and you're going to light the three candles representing these three factors of time, the past, the present, and the future. And then you're going to meditate on the flame individually. So when you look at the first candle, which represents the past, you're going to have your paper there, the candle there, and you're going to honor it in your mind, looking at the candle, looking at the paper. You're going to offer it your pure emotion, whether it makes you smile or cry or laugh. You're going to be completely invested in that era of time. If it's the past, then you're in the past. And really focus on it and give it all your energy. And then you would, of course, move to the present. Focus on the paper. Focus on the center candle. Give it your pure investment of energy emotion and um, presence of being right you're fully invested you're there and then of course as well with the future and this would be a good time um, as you're focusing on this and giving all your energy to do whatever it is that feels right to you if you have a glass of wine and you want to drink the wine um, honoring these three moments that you've meditated on do that if you have a dessert there do that. Eat the dessert at that time. It's a real celebration of these three moments in time that belong completely to you and to the God that you that you honor, right? So take a moment to either drink your wine, eat your dessert, whatever, to celebrate and honor these moments of existence that are yours, okay? But, but do your best to try to spend your time, past, present, future, with balance introspection. We don't want to give any more or any one of these more weight than the other, right? And each receives a resolve. When you're done with the past, you're done with it. When you're done with your present emotion and feelings, you're done with it, right? When you have chosen the resolves and the solutions for the future, you're decided on those and unwavering, meaning you make peace with them all. So beginning with the past, um, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take your piece of paper. You're going to make one final emotional connection to your past, to that piece of paper. Thank it for its wisdom and for the lessons. If you feel the need to ask God to forgive you for the ways that you failed, tell yourself, I forgive you for the ways that you failed. Whisper a goodbye to that paper and burn it. If you have something to burn it in, do it in that. If it needs to be in a fire pit outside, do it in that. But it needs to be in a safe manner, okay? Make sure that, okay? Really, it's a big deal. Um, 
Next, take the present. Make a final emotional tie to it. Thank it for the now, the clarity it has provided. Make note of your mental state. Are you playing the victim? Um, Are you being too hard on yourself, too easy on yourself? Find a place of uh, clarity and balance and peace. Correct whatever attitudes or forgiveness that needs to be present. Whisper a goodbye and burn that piece of paper. Finally, take your list um, of the future. Now, I asked you earlier to find a trapping, something of this season to place on your altar. At this time, I really want you to pick one of those items. Maybe it's the acorns. Maybe it's a plastic thing that you purchased. Um, Maybe it's uh, the pumpkin. I don't know. Whatever. Something small enough and resilient enough to last for a month or two. And then take that item, the acorn, the pine cone, whatever it is you chose, and hold that in your right hand. And take the paper and hold it in your left hand. And now you're going to imagine the resolutions in your left hand going into the object of your right hand. And this object in your right hand is going to be a focal point that reminds you of your resolve, the things that you're going to attend to over the next couple of months. Ask God to assist you with these resolutions. And then say, Amen. Or as it is written, so let it be done. Make it so. Some affirmation of your ambition. And really feel the transition of the resolutions on the paper going into the object. That's going to remind you of your resolve. And then burn the paper. And now you're done. Ask God to close your space. Thank the energy that's present for being there. And um, I usually let the candles burn out by themselves. I think that's a good practice. But never, ever leave them unattended. It's super important. Uh, We referenced this before. Candles are wonderful, great thing, but they can be uh, destructive if they're not used carefully. And uh, and so, yeah, man, that is your Maybon practice, uh, if you're interested. And... I think it's really very beneficial. It may sound a little strange to you, but if you engage in it, I think you'll find it really powerful and and transformational. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I encourage you to do that. So that's it, guys. Hey, man, if you're not following the Black Sheep Experience on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go and do that. Also, it's a huge value, man, when you post on your social media and let your friends Um, and your connections know that the podcast exists. Uh, Yeah, that is a big deal, and I deeply appreciate you doing that. So please, if you don't mind, uh, share the podcast with your your crew, man. And uh, happy Maybon, right? I will talk to you next week. God bless you guys. Done. (laughs) 